Mike Milbury, our, our TV guy, has joined us throughout the year and get uh, a final bow from his perspective uh, on this Bruins season. Mike was uh, a factor throughout the Bruins uh, with Nesson throughout the year. We saw him on the Instigators show, and he was one of the guys that from the beginning of this thing has been on board in terms of watching this team and following this team. And we'll get his thoughts. I, I caught his thoughts uh, on, was it Wednesday night? Forget what night it was now. We talked about that third period going out there and, and getting it done, and the Bruins were able to do that. And joining us on the AT&T hotline, AT&T, the official wireless provider of the Boston Bruins, Mike Milbury, joining us to wrap up the Bruins season. And, Mike, we talked about this quite a bit. You've been a great guest of ours throughout the year, but was there a point during this playoff run where you looked at this Bruins team and envisioned them doing what they did Wednesday night, hoisting that Stanley Cup? Uh. Yeah, probably when it was about three nothing in Game Seven of the Vancouver Series. Um, I don't think anybody should be patting them on the back, themselves on the back, and saying I saw this coming. Three Game Sevens was not something anybody envisioned because it's never happened before. Uh, nobody envisioned coming back quite the way they did from two nothing to Montreal or dismantling Philadelphia or dysfunctional at the time, but still they did what they had to do. And uh, they were they were effective enough and fantastic in Game 7 at home against Tampa Bay. And frankly, at the end of uh, at the end of the first period after Horton got hit in Game 3, the last 10 minutes, I think we mentioned this, the last 10 minutes of that first period were dominated by Vancouver and uh, in, in every department and to the point that the Bruins had not one shot on goal in Game Three at the end of the uh, the end of the first period. The last ten minutes was all Vancouver. So anybody that <clears throat> can say that they saw all this coming is uh, full of malarkey. But um, you know, obviously, at these times, lots of credit is due to a lot of different people. I think I think Peter Shirelli did a great job at the deadline uh, with Peverly and Campbell, veteran guys that contributed, and even Cavalry was not what anybody expected in the end was uh, was a useful and effective defenseman. Um, maybe not the start on the power play that anybody hoped for, but a guy that they could put out and, and uh, expect some solid minutes from and move the puck. And so Peter's at the top of the list and <clears throat> certainly Claude for all the abuse he took during the year was, uh, you know, patient and played the cards the way they needed to be played. And, and and sometimes maybe got lucky, but when you win a championship, you sometimes need to be a little bit lucky. But uh, by and large, he stuck by the guys that he stuck with all year long, including I might I might add Michael Ryder, who I among many, but I in particular was ruthless in criticism of. But he was a terrific player in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But who knew you were gonna Who knew you were gonna get that from Michael Ryder? In February, I mean, there were very few of us out there saying, "Wait till February." He's going to turn the corner and turn into a really effective playoff performer. So it goes down the line, but it—I uh, think the team really grew as the team as the year went on, and I thought it was—it uh, was fun to watch in that respect. And you know, somebody who, who played in the organization and coached the organization, I and came came up a little short. Although at, a final, at the finals a few times couldn't get it over the hump, I, only I, only thing I wanted really from the team that won it was going to be the next Bruins team to win it was a team that you could respect and admire. And I think at the end of the day, 
that any former Bruin player can feel that way about this team. Well, you say respect and admire, and I, I'm, after watching the Stanley Cup final, that's, I think that's something that we did with this Vancouver team. I mean, I was really, I guess, disappointed, not that I wanted more from them, but the way the championships just aren't won with a team like that that didn't show the fire and didn't show the grit. No, they didn't. And it was really the only question that remained about uh, Vancouver. Do they have the requisite you know, determination to get there? And then let, let's not forget, they went down in Game 7, and they, have, they were minus. I know the Bruins were without Savard. The Bruins were without, without Horton at that point. But they had four regular contributors out of the lineup. So it did make a difference. And I, I don't know if they've ever released if Kessler was hurt or what it was that was bothering him, but he certainly wasn't 100%. But the whole thing about the whole demeanor of the team in Vancouver was not something that most hockey fans or hockey people admire. The, there was a little too much uh, in the way of shenanigans, too much in the way of arrogance, and uh, not enough in the way of humility and respect for their opponents. A couple of the guys, uh, a couple of the guys that follow Vancouver pretty closely in the national media said before the series that they, the one thing that concerned them about Vancouver was, was that their attitude towards Boston was one of, um, you know, dismissal. That they thought it was going to be, they thought it was going to be a lot easier than it, obviously than it was. When you look at what Peter Shirelli had to say today at his press conference, he spent a lot of time, Mike, talking about Dennis Seidenberg and, and, and a guy that had a, a grit and a toughness to him. And Peter admitted that they tried to go out and get big, tough, strong guys. Well, those sort of guys reminded me of Cam Neely, and he's now the president of this team. Is it any coincidence that Cam comes aboard and, and all of a sudden they, they try to go get some, some tough guys to add to this roster? Uh, you know, it's hard for me to determine what role Cam played, but uh... – uh, I know how competitive he is. I know how determined he is. I mean, hell, you know, all you have to do is watch him, watch the games to understand how passionate he is about about the team and about winning. And um, when you have a guy like that around, it infuses the organization with with a commitment level, and and I, I think that has to be ascribed to him. And and I'm sure, you know. I'm sure they've had moments, he and Peter, where they didn't agree on everything, but they've worked it out to the point where, you know, you can't question how it's operated and how it's functioned and, and how those two guys have worked. And it had to be tough for Peter Shirelli to have Cam Neely come in ahead of him as a president. I mean, there's a guy that, you know, probably had his own aspirations to that, but, but they made it work. And uh, I think the infusion of Cam's attitude was, you know, you know this is a Hall of Fame player who, who played hard every night and, and understood what it took to play in the league, uh, certainly was a, a benefit. And, and that's not to dismiss Peter's role in this thing because ultimately, you know, he's the one that has to pull the trigger on trades. He's the one that has to have the negotiations with other managers. And, uh, you know, all's, all's well that ends well, and it ended very well this time. You, know, you talk about being proud of this team. It just looked like a team that backed one another up, that, that played hard for one another. And at times... Last year, maybe we didn't see that at times. We know how the year ended against Philadelphia. Do you look back and say, well, maybe this team got better. Maybe they learned from their experiences and the disappointments from the year before. A lot of teams that, you know, try to climb the mountain and, and slide back down their first try. And some use it as a learning experience and some, you know, just keep on sliding. And, and obviously this group, or at least the core of it, um, 
along the way to use it as a, a learning experience. And, and uh, yet, you know, there was there were a lot of different players on that roster. I mean, the inclusion of Marshawn and McQuaid, I mean, two rookies that were just outstanding through the playoffs. I mean, I don't, McQuaid doesn't get enough credit, in my mind, for what for the minutes that he put in. He was, uh, I thought he was outstanding through most of the series. And, and you can't say enough about Marshawn, who, who got under everybody's skin and was productive and and found a way to toe the line, sometimes walked across it, but uh, enough to keep people amused. <laughs> and, the other team, and the other team a little agitated. So it was uh, it was a good mix of players. I and mean, that's that's two there. Then the three that came at the trading deadline, obviously. And who the hell thought that Tim Thomas, who starts the year as a backup, is going to put in the goaltending performance of you know, maybe all time. One of the certainly one of the top goaltending, top five goaltending performances in the history of the NHL. Statistics in the postseason were just the same as they were in the regular season, save percentage and goals against. I mean, remarkable grace under pressure, and and uh, the way he handled it was, uh, you know, even the Luongo thing was uh, spot on, and and uh, it was. You know, it's a memorable year, and they they deserve they deserve that parade tomorrow. Uh, Mike Milbury joining us. Mike, let's stay with with Tim Thomas for a second because I agree with you that I'm not the hockey historian you are, but what we saw from Tim Thomas is one of the great full seasons we have seen from a goaltender. You know, you've seen very good goaltenders in your lifetime. That that mental makeup for Tim Thomas, he seems like a player that just goes out there and is able to relax in the biggest spots. How rare is that for? goaltenders well i mean it's extraordinarily rare and it's rarer still for somebody to get to that point after really becoming a regular in the nhl at the age of 31 i mean nobody saw this coming and i i I firmly believe that he took his experiences he molded his style he's used his uh he's used his ability to, to compete with his athleticism and combine that with a, a demeanor and a, a determination that was really amazing. I, I played in front of Pete Peters in 1983 when he was just otherworldly. I mean, he was just incredible. But he couldn't do it in the end. He ran out of steam. Um, you know, you think about what Thomas did and how much he played, and you have to remember just how much stamina that takes. I mean, I watched Bernie Perron in his heyday and Ken Dryden in his heyday. They, you know, you're going to have to talk about them in the same breath as those guys now, uh, at least at this particular season, and maybe for all time, given the fact that, you know, he looks like he's he doesn't get the con smile. It'll be a shame, or not the con smile, but the uh, whatever I'm missing, goaltender of the year award. Asna, and, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's in the right. And uh, it's been, it's been, uh, I mean, he, he winds up with a consummate the Stanley Cup in the Vezina. I mean, that's a, that's a rare hat trick indeed. And the second Vezina as well. And let alone that he's got a couple more years left to prove that maybe, you know, you know, he deserves to be in a Hall of Fame one day. It would be the most remarkable Hall of Fame career of all time, I can tell you that. You know, looking ahead, Mark Recchi, obviously he's retired. And then you got Michael Ryder and you got Tomas Caballé unrestricted. Other than uh, maybe just a shorter off season, this this team's not really going anywhere. They they've got a nice little foundation for the future to come. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, it's tough to keep it together, and it's tough to sustain it. I mean, we're now talking. It's June seventeenth, and 
these guys got to go back to work out in the middle of August at the latest in order to get back in shape for another marathon run. It's uh, tough to expect a repeat, but on paper, the the certainly the uh, the pieces are there. They've got a great draft pick coming up. I mean, Tyler Sagan is is there. We can see some of the ability. Um, give me another uh, guy with a crystal ball that, that told me. Give me the guy with a crystal ball that said the Bruins were going to win the cup and let him tell me what Tyler Sagan's going to be. And I guess we'll get the answer because I don't have it. I mean, he's got skill and he can shoot the puck when he's in the open. Um, but he's got a lot to learn, and there's nothing wrong with that. And and in this team, he's got the uh, he's got the freedom to sort of take his time, and Claude has the freedom to be patient with him. So. Yeah, it's a bright future indeed for the Bruins, and um, but you know you got to live in the moment for this championship, and and I, I think they can they can certainly revel in it right now and and let next year take care of itself in September. Mike, you've been around this team in terms of uh, the success. You talked about the the coaches the t- when you coached in a couple of Stanley Cup finals, but. Just overall, what what you think it means for the hockey fans that guys that were were going to your games and guys who stuck through, you know, during some tough years in the last part of uh, last decade, what it means for those diehards? Um, you know, it it uh, it's an injection of adrenaline to the hockey community. You know, people were going to various department stores to get Bruins championship jerseys at at 12 o'clock after the game was over or at 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, I picked my kid up at school the day after, and, and everybody's in, in black and gold and Bruins paraphernalia. Um, it's it, These guys will live, have the lifetime of memories of this championship team. And for the for the youth hockey players who are out there, they've got, they've got 25 role models to follow now to, to, to look up to and to aspire to when it really is a – it's a great, great injection. And for the, just the average fan, well, I don't think anybody doubts that the, the Bruins have a, a diehard core of fans that have been there forever. Uh, it got smaller than it, we liked it to be for a while, but they certainly have bounced back and they've grown it to, to, uh, to a level that you'll see tomorrow at about 11 o'clock lying mm-hmm. in the streets of Boston. It'll be pretty amazing. Mike, it's been a lot of fun talking hockey with you throughout this run. It's uh, It's been entertaining. You always bring your opinion, and we, quite frankly, love that part of it. And uh, we thank you for your time throughout this season. It's been great. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good summer. Right, you Mike. too. Mike Milbury joining us here on the AT&T Hotline. AT&T, the official wireless provider of the Boston Bruins.